With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch the baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottom and cans turn blue when your beer is cold and that way you know it's time to chill hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider, presented by Scout Logistics and Symbol, your stock market for sports. Matthew Collar here, and joining me is Lauren Cox. He works for WCLO 1230 Radio and does the Locked on Bears podcast. What is up, Lauren? How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Appreciate you having me on, and love seeing everything you've been doing with Purple Insider. It's great. Well, I really appreciate that, man. It has been a super fun time, and last year, Purple Insider started in May. So the draft was over and free agency was over. And now I have a chance to get really stupid excited about all the things that are about to happen to us all, including Russell Wilson being traded to the Bears, right? (laughs) You know, I am not keeping my hopes up. I'm I'm trying to be realistic about this and look at what it would take and why would the Seahawks make that deal? I mean, all the rumors, right, have been Bears, 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 Bears. Russell Wilson lists his four teams, and you can kind of go through the list and say, well, you know, the the Raiders just reiterate how much they love Derek Carr. The Cowboys just paid Dak Prescott, and the Saints won't have salary cap space for another five seasons. So, like, the Bears are kind of left out of those four teams, but I do think we kind of assume that, like, those are the only four teams that – he could possibly be traded to as opposed to, no, those are just four teams that Russell Wilson kind of happened to put towards the top of his list. All right. But when bears was on the list, you had to have like had your brain melt, right? I mean, this is, I saw someone joke. I think it was Robert Mays made the joke that it's one of the best days in bears quarterbacking history, just to have Russell Wilson mention the bears. It's been the best month of Chicago Bears quarterback history. Absolutely. Like, between him and Deshaun Watson, I mean, it's been over the moon in Chicago, all these quarterback dreams. We went from talking about, boy, do we want Jameis Winston, Cam Newton, or Alex Smith to, oh, how about a potential future Hall of Fame quarterback who – wants to be here here like has he looked at the team has he looked at the roster I mean it's one of those things where it's like wait if if he if he wants to be here should we question 
whether something's <laughs> wrong, you know? Right. right. Blink twice, Russell, if you're being held hostage and uh, being forced to say – like you've seen those tweet threads before where they're like, say something that, you know, people would know it's not you. That would be a quarterback wants to go to the Chicago Bears. That's a good point. But let's let's say, though, that the Raiders are okay with Derek Carr. I'm not entirely convinced by that, but he had a decent season last year. So let's say that that's out the window. And it's pretty much Chicago or Chicago, or you stay in, in Seattle, if you're Wilson, where he's clearly not very happy. How would it get done? Because like everyone else in the world, I went to overthecap.com and I pulled up the cap calculator and I went boop, 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 and nothing worked, Lauren. So tell me how, tell me how they get Russell Wilson to the Chicago Bears. Yeah, so like they, you know, they just franchise tagged Allen Robinson and the team is like $25 million over the salary cap as of this moment. And a lot of restructures and you know, extensions and releases are still going to come to even get them back to zero, let alone taking on Russell Wilson's contract. That's that's the number one – I mean, I don't know if I'd call it the number one obstacle because the Bears don't have a lot to give up in a trade. But, like, you can always find some combination of assets to probably make it work, even if Seattle isn't thrilled about it. But, like, for the Bears, like, you can't just, like, trade – Khalil Mack in this deal because if the Bears trade Khalil Mack, they're set to incur around a $20 million dead cap hit from just trading him to have him not on the roster. They're going to have to pay $20 million against their salary cap. And for the Seahawks, they're looking at a, a similarly large number, I think a little bit bigger. I don't have the exact one in front of me. If they trade Russell Wilson, the dead cap space that they would inherit from Wilson is you know, I think approaching that 30 to $40 million mark for all the guaranteed money left on this deal. So, like, it doesn't seem like it makes financial sense for the Seahawks, let alone the Chicago Bears. And I start to try and put a trade package together. You start having to cost yourself more money just to get rid of the players that you would be giving up to then also absorb Russell Wilson's salary coming in. I mean, it, it would take the Bears clearing up astronomical amounts of cap space, you know, releasing both starting offensive tackles like the Chiefs did. You know, you you can start going down a long list of, you know, Akeem Hicks might have to be moved. You know, they might have to do something with Allen Robinson, either trade him or sign him to a contract extension to lower that year one cap hit. I mean, it's really every contract on your roster, you have to go through and squeeze out every non-guaranteed dollar and push it to the future as much as you could. So I was assuming that part of it, if it was at all possible, would be extending Allen Robinson and that he would be much more happy to get a contract extension if Russell Wilson was also coming to town. Um, Let's just move past all the details and pretend that those are feasible. They do hire cap gurus and all these other things to figure this stuff out that know the cap a little better than us, so maybe. Right? Like anything is possible. If Brett Favre can become a Minnesota Viking, anything is possible. Uh, so let's talk about how good the Bears would be with Russell Wilson. I think just by having him, even if you have to give up a lot, you still become a Super Bowl contender, not only because he's good and always has Seattle in contention, no matter how poor some of their rosters have been in recent years. He always gets them to 10 wins or more. So right there you start with 10 wins is the floor, I think. And then – I. There is still enough talent, assuming they'd be keeping Khalil Mack, to be a good defense. I mean, I I think that you look around the NFC, too, and go, well, who's really going to challenge you? I mean, if it's not the Bucs or if Tom Brady slips even a little bit, like who's going to challenge you in the NFC? It's probably the Packers. And then who, if you have Russell Wilson? Well, that's the thing. It's like you're going to give up so many of the other players around him that I would would hesitate to, to say, like, the 
this would potentially be the worst supporting cast overall that Russell Wilson might have in his career. If the Bears, I mean, obviously they'd have to make some things happen in free agency in the draft, but like to make that work financially, you know, you would have two new starting offensive tackles. You you might have to give up Roquan Smith at linebacker, their their star rookie cornerback Jalen Johnson. They really like as a long term piece. He would probably be one of the kind of young assets that would go in this deal. And you start really kind of gutting your defense across the board. Like, yeah, you have Khalil Mack, but, you know, you got a lot of other aging veterans. There. I mean, they'd still be an okay defense. They're not going to drop down to the bottom of the NFL. Like, I, I, it instantly makes them a better Super Bowl contender because Russell Wilson will make the level of play of everyone else around him a lot better. And then he'll, you know, the rising tide and all that with raising all ships. But, like, Ten, 10 wins is like what I would be happy with in the first year just because I feel like it, it would be such a, a gutted team through and through. I mean, you got you obviously got to put the Packers up there. You got to put the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then, you know, maybe the Rams with Matthew Stafford. You know, it's it's kind of an open NFC. I, I agree with you. But I, I have a low level of confidence in the Bears being able to properly field a championship caliber team after everything they would have to do to make that deal work. Quick aside, are you also skeptical about the Matthew Stafford Rams? I don't know if skeptical. I'm not like making them the Super Bowl champion, but I do think Matthew Stafford will play better there than he has in Detroit, and I think it will be a good fit. I don't know that year one he's going to come in and just light the world on fire and be this top five quarterback, but I think I think it's enough to make them a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I can't. Sometimes when you end up with 12 years of excuses for why someone never won anything, I start to wonder, was it really that? Or was it your very high sack rate or the fact that you're not consistently accurate or whatever? Like, I, I'm just not a, a huge believer in Stafford has been victimized. Like, yeah, they, they have a bad organization and they've had some very poor defenses, but they've just tried different offensive coordinators and different weapons and They've built this line and everything else, and you sort of still get the same results over and over again with Stafford, and you wonder, well, how good do you really have to be? Like, can Sean McVay just dial up some play actions, and all of a sudden Matt Stafford takes a team to the Super Bowl? Like, they lost Brandon Staley um, to the Los Angeles Chargers, and I don't know. I just – having watched a lot of Matt Stafford not play well against the Vikings defense, (laughs) I I just go, I'm like, I'm not not sure. I saw him get sacked ten times once in a single game, and I'm just not certain that over 16 games he can sustain it because he's got Sean McVay. Vay near him, um, but hey, they, Jake Miller's been sacked ten times in a game too, sir. Thank you very much. <laughs> I've seen bad offensive line play. I know what it's like. No, but I don't. Know, I guess I feel like the Rams were not not just a quarterback away. I mean, I, I just really was not a big believer in Jared Goff, and I think up, the upgrade from I don't think Stafford's going to come there and be this vastly different and fixed quarterback, but I think the Stafford we saw in Detroit is enough of an upgrade over the golf that we saw in Los Angeles that I feel like he and Sean, that, that could be enough of a boost for the Rams, and they didn't have to really give up a lot of other existing talented, you know, the draft pick swaps are obviously going to hurt them eventually, but like, I think that can be enough of a boost if they have a decent offseason here and don't have to, you know, scourge too much salary cap wise. I, I think they'll be in that conversation. I just don't think they'll be quite as well oiled as a team like Green Bay. 
Right, good point, and we don't know if they're going to add weapons, if they're going to add offensive line, and, you know, you can always work around some of the cap issues involved in that, and that might be the determining factor. I just wonder about, and I'm not a huge Jared Goff believer either, I think Detroit's doing the right thing, having him as like a Ryan fitzpatrick bridge quarterback to whoever is their next quarterback. I just wonder if this trade is not looking in the mirror for Sean McVay and for that team with the offense and saying, you know, when we went to the Super Bowl, the offensive line was unbelievable. The weapons were really great. The running game was really great. And all those things helped our quarterback. Now we're asking Matt Stafford, who's never truly overcome those things to be a winner in Detroit when there was shortcomings around him. Now we're saying, oh yeah, now you got to do that though. Cause you're here. Cause I'm Sean McVay. So there's a little bit of, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's being like too aggressive for the Midwest to call it arrogance on, on the, <laughs> part of of Sean McVay to think like oh it was actually all the quarterback's fault like well what if it was your fault like what if other people have figured out some of the stuff that you did that was magic a couple years ago and isn't now or what if it was actually the players and you built a great roster and you weren't the genius that you said so anyway there's always those things run through my head but I want to go back to the Bears sure um because that was just like a windy road away from your team Um, it's adjacent it's fun well that's the thing it's like you've covered enough games with Matt Stafford to probably have some of the same observations as me where you go, you know what? It's not all Detroit Lions organization's fault. Anyway, so um, back to the Bears. If it's not Russell Wilson, which is, I'll admit, for me, just covering games and stuff, it would be exciting. It would be exciting to have Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers in the division and get to see those guys go up against the Vikings. And I made the joke that Russell Wilson just wants to play the Vikings twice because he absolutely owns them. So maybe, maybe that's why he wanted to come to Chicago and not to mention that soldier field also owns the Vikings. Um, But if it's not him, whom will it be? Lauren? See, that's where it gets more depressing, right? It's, it's, it's a, like last offseason, there were all these good quarterback options, you know, Tom Brady and Philip Rivers and Teddy Bridgewater. And at the time, Jameis Winston and, and Cam Newton both had a little bit more shine to them. And you know, so many other different quarterbacks that were all available and they're all high quality options. And the Bears traded a fourth round pick for Nick Foles. And it was like, wah, wah, you know, like, oh, okay, like that's welcome to Chicago. So, like, now they're ready to actually make the big splash. And you look around and it's, Jameis Winston, Alex Smith, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, and it's like, oh, man, like, none, of this, none of the free agent quarterback options. Winston is kind of in his own category because you have that, mm-hmm. the real swings of, like, sometimes he is phenomenal and sometimes there's some, some real poor decisions in there. And it's a little bit more of a roller coaster that I would be willing to ride. But a lot of the other options, it's like, how much of an upgrade over Nick Foles really are you going to get? You know, I mean, is is Ryan Fitzpatrick a huge difference maker in that right. regard? You know, it's it's kind of a long list of guys that, you know, Jacoby Brissett and Tyrod Taylor and Andy Dalton. And it's like, yeah, you might as well just go with Nick Foles if, if those are the other routes that you're going to go. I mean, Alex Smith is the name that I've had circled pretty much all offseason because Matt Nagy can't stop tampering legally about Alex Smith. He's had... <laughs> Matt Nagy's had two off-season press conferences so far, and I haven't counted the number of times he said Alex Smith's by name, but it's more than three because and he, because he talks about, you know, well, when I coached Alex in Kansas City, it was like this and this when he's talking about what they look for in a quarterback, and it's like not technically tampering because he's not talking about Alex Smith, the Washington football team quarterback, but it's right. very much like, hey, 
we like Alex Smith, they're probably going to look at bringing in Alex Smith, but Nick Foles is guaranteed on this contract right now, so they can't just release him and move on. So how do you make that work with two veteran quarterbacks? I'm more in the boat of go trade up for a quarterback and make your big swing in the NFL draft for somebody that you think could maybe be better than Nick Foles as opposed to one of these veteran free agents that are all the same or a late-round quarterback that may only have that Nick Foles ceiling anyway. Absolutely, and it really depends on just how desperate, and this we have this discussion all the time here, uh, how desperate is your general manager to be good in the year 2021? Like That is always a, a big determining factor because I think that you can make a really good case for the Bears to trade up and get a quarterback because, as you mentioned, all those guys that you said are the same guy. Like they're all eight and eight. If it goes well for Ryan Fitzpatrick, it's eight and eight. If it, go, I mean, this was a thing that I stole from John Clayton. He said, if you're a backup quarterback and you can go like eight and eight, that's fantastic. Like that's what you hope for. And guys like that, Winston was a backup quarterback last year. Ryan Fitzpatrick's a backup quarterback. I know that the internet loves Jameis, but I'm not buying it when a guy can throw 31 picks in a year. So you're left with the only option for any upside beyond eight and eight to be a draft pick. Now, were you at all buying Mitch Trubisky runs play action bootlegs and can win more than eight type of uh, thing that happened last year? Were you believing that? Is there any chance that Trubisky comes back? Those are two separate questions with similar answers, but um, I, you know, I would say when, when you mentioned John Clayton's, you know, eight and eight, Mitch Trubisky is what popped in my mind. It's like, that's Mitch Trubisky's future is he's that guy that you can go eight and eight with if you, support him with a good offensive line, some good receivers. You run the play-action Kyle Shanahan kind of style of offense and keep him moving around the pocket. Yeah, he can win eight games as your quarterback. I I would not be interested in bringing him back in Chicago, and he does not sound at all interested in coming back to Chicago. There's That's kind of been building up here over the course of the end of the season. Even as things started to look better with the Bears, it was always kind of the understanding that like Matt Nagy was always trying to get for years, Mitch Trubisky to fit into Matt Nagy's system and make that work, and it never did. And so then when they had to go back to Mitch Trubisky at the end of the year and they just needed to win games to really save their jobs, then they changed the whole system and did a lot of the rollout passing and play action and things that they probably should have been doing for Mitch Trubisky all along, but you know they didn't want to have to settle when they used the number two overall pick on a guy that's supposed to be their franchise quarterback. They wanted to make it work the way they intended to, and, and the fact that that they went to change the scheme at that point was kind of waving the white flag and just saying, you know what, we'll make this work for now, but we're not going to keep doing this long term. So he's he is for sure playing elsewhere next year, and I imagine he'll get a, a Marcus Mariota kind of situation with the Raiders where a decently paid backup with maybe an opportunity to start and maybe he can – Maybe he can show you enough to make teams forget about some of the mistakes he's made and remember that, hey, that was a number two overall pick who can move. Folks, March is quite the month for Minnesota sports, and SodaStick has you covered with Minnesota sports-themed gear. The hockey team is headed down the stretch, so you've got to check out the Dollar Bill Krill shirts, and baseball is ready to get started. Go to SodaStick.com, check out the Touch em All shirts, the Twinkies hats, and the Tomorrow Night hoodies. If you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, you can get free shipping. So go to SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods, all 
of their apparel is screen printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. That is SotaStick, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. Code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. Hey, everybody. Want to tell you about our friends at Symbol. Symbol is a new sports marketplace where you can trade shares of professional teams like stocks. So as we jump fully into free agency season, you're going to want to get in on teams now before your team's stock rises. Go to symbol.app, that is S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot A-P-P, sign up using the promo code PURPLE and get a $10 deposit bonus if you're a first-time user, and then you are off and rolling. Here's how it works. You buy stocks of your teams, and when your team wins, you earn cash payouts that are instantly deposited. If you sign up for Symbol, you also get updates emailed to you directly with the trends on which teams are on the rise. So check out Symbol.app or follow them on Twitter at Symbol Exchange and check out the marketplace for sports today. Right, They should have been doing that offense from the very start with him. But it's funny about how, while A, coaches are always reluctant to go away from like what they are known for. So he got that genius label after the first year. Oh, wow, you got this offense that's so complicated and there's a million different plays and all those sorts of things. But as always, those things get figured out eventually. And it's also almost like with the rollout offense, with the play actions, the Kubiak, the Shanahan, it's almost like – oh, that's for quarterbacks who just aren't that great. So we try to – which is funny because yeah. the, the year RG3 runs it, he is, like, setting the world on fire. John Elway wins the Super Bowl with it. Matt Ryan goes to the Super Bowl, has a 28-3 to lead with it. And here's Kirk Cousins setting career highs in quarterback rating and PFF grade with this offense. And you sort of go, like – why is that the solution to quarterbacks who aren't that great when maybe it should be the solution to quarterbacks who are great to try and get them over the top? But that's just so – my point is – uh, Aaron Rodgers says hi. Like, that's right. Yes. yes. How did I forget the most obvious one? Like Aaron Rodgers last year. So if you draft Justin Fields, Lauren, run the boot. Run the play action. Makes sense. But it's like will Matt Nagy? You know what I mean? No, that's I that's so. the thing here. I mean, this is why you know Bears fans are ready to fire the general manager and head coach th- three months ago when the season was over. It was kind of like, yeah, you know, these guys are not maximizing the talent. I mean, first of all, they're they're not making the best talent decisions along the way of who to who to acquire. And then even when they do acquire guys, they've struggled to properly evaluate them and to understand how to best utilize them. And some of that bled over onto the defensive side of the ball with Chuck Pagano, and he retired. And you know, that was a, somewhat of a scapegoat move there because they were probably going to fire him anyway. And it was like, it, even if the Bears, you know, get Russell Wilson, like, and that saves Matt Nagy and, and Ryan Pace's jobs, like, is that... Is that good? You know, I mean, like, it's good to get Russell Wilson, but, like, to some extent, do do we want them to be extended and be, you know, do we trust them to continue to lead this franchise in the right direction after some real questions about that over two consecutive seasons? I mean, we were all, we all, we're all in love in 2018, but they were a pretty lucky team with a pretty well-built defense and with Vic Fangio and everything going around, and everything kind of clicked in a way that, is really hard to sustain in the NFL. We haven't seen a lot of proof of them being able to get back to that or sustain it when they do get there. 
I think that there are certain things that someone who covers the Bears and someone who covers the Vikings just understand, and it's unsustainable uh, performances that peak one year and then their team thinks it's going to go on forever. If there is any common uh, thread there other than quarterbacks you know, all over the place, that is exactly, that is exactly it. Uh, bad, bad offensive lines? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you've seen it, right? So, like, um, Akeem Hicks, man, like that guy has done a lot of damage. Like, I, I mean, his whenever he signed his last contract extension, it was probably in part all the money that he got because of the Minnesota Vikings, because um, he just eats them every single time. Anyway, so all right, which quarterback would they have a shot at then if? Let's just put the saving jobs aside and say that they recognize it's a bridge quarterback situation that they're not going to get to Sean Watson. They're not going to get Russell Wilson, but you bring in a Ryan Fitzpatrick because you're going to bench him and he'll just accept it. Um, is there, is there a guy that intrigues you? I know. I, I mean, is there someone who you think could be there or not an insane trade up that might actually be a fit with what they're doing? I will say, aside from the draft real quick, one thing that we – one wild card that's in this quarterback mix, or I guess it's sort of two, but other trades, other quarterbacks. Sam Darnold has been thrown out there a lot. Uh, even Ian Rappaport has mentioned Sam Darnold and the Bears by name as a potential mix there. Not one that I'm super fired up about, but uh, a swing for a quarterback that maybe has a chance to be more than Ryan Fitzpatrick and, you know, long list of fragile quarterbacks. The other one, Gardner Minshew from the Jaguars, expected to potentially be available and some some fire starter that would be fun in Chicago. It'd be kind of like a Jim McMahon style of, like, punky, you know, fired-up kind of quarterback that the fan basically could get behind. But I don't like the team-building strategy of trade for Jaguars quarterbacks two years in a row. That doesn't feel like a great way to, to build a roster. So, you know, when it comes to the draft, it's kind of like – we're expecting four quarterbacks to go before the Bears pick at 20. It, you know, it's it's in some order, you know, Lawrence, Wilson, Fields, and, and Trey Lance. I would be of the mindset of once three of them go off the board, trade up for whichever of the fourth one is still left at that point, and however long you think you can wait to do that without missing on them, that would kind of be my strategy. Mac Jones from Alabama could be there at 20, but I don't know. He's, you know, he's kind of one of these statuesque big-arm quarterbacks that – Sure, he's fine. I mean, he could he can be Andy Dalton. He could be Russell Wilson. Or not Russell. Excuse me. Um, Kirk Cousins style of like stealing. But you know how much better than Nick Foles is Mac Jones going to be? And I, I think similarly with like Kyle Trask from Florida, maybe in the second round, or if the Bears traded down or something. Like, yes, he could be a a younger version of any of these quarterbacks that we've talked about but like if I'm if I'm gonna go all in if I'm trying to get my future at the quarterback position I want a guy that's gonna give me a little bit more of that variance that maybe I feel like he could be something special you know something a little bit more over the top I mean maybe a guy like Kellen Mond from Texas A&M or Jamie Newman from Georgia but I don't feel great about their set of flaws or and I'm certainly not I'm not making that my off-season plan to go with Alex Smith and Jamie Newman from Georgia as, as all right, we fixed the quarterback spot. See, we got those two guys. So, like, I if I'm Ryan Pace, I feel the pressure to trade up because and then I'm then I'm trading for a potential premier quarterback without having to gut my entire roster or give up a thousand first round picks to get it done. I might have to give up my second round pick, but it's worth it if I can get my guy and save my job. 
Do you ever think about during draft season with someone like Mac Jones? Like, uh, I, I get very meta about overrated, underrated. I'm like, what is overrated? What is underrated anyway? Because I think that Mac Jones sort of falls in both categories. Like, he can be underrated in that if you get Kirk Cousins for a very, very cheap amount of money, you can win and build a really good team. I mean, yeah. heck, you're a really good team with Mitch Trubisky, and he's not good at all. So if this guy – I mean, right? So if yeah. this guy becomes Kirk Cousins and you build up the same caliber of roster, you've got a chance to go to a Super Bowl. Uh, at the same time, I could also see NFL people being like, pocket quarterback, am I right? Looks like a traditional type of quarterback. <laughs> you, could, you could see that, and you could see him being overrated. So as we go into the first round, I'm going to have absolutely no clue. But I wouldn't hate it, and I brought it up for the Vikings. If you are going to move on from Cousins eventually, I don't hate it. And I don't hate it for the Bears, if I'm them either, just because of what the price tag is and can you work around the flaws if your team is awesome. It just it just feels to me like, and I I agree with you for sure that like he he is a quarterback that you can he looks like a quarterback that you can win games with in the NFL absolutely. I just feel like if you know if I'm the Bears, I've I've had guys like Mac Jones at quarterback forever. You know what I mean? Like it's like he he would fit right in as this this quarterback that we're questioning for his entire rookie contract. Is he good or is he not that good or, or you know is he or more so is he worth a quarterback contract extension, right? I mean, by the time he gets done with his rookie year, whatever the top of the quarterback market is going to be is, is going to be where he's going to be pushing. And I feel like he's this kind of quarterback that we're never going to be quite sure if he's worth top quarterback money because he needs all this supporting cast. And you end up kind of in this weird uh, limbo of, like, he's good and he can win games with us, but he's not so good that we're going to pay him, you know, the Kirk Cousins-style contract when his contract ends up. And I know that's thinking a little bit too far down the line, and, you know, there's always this chance that he could be something even better than that and better than we project. But, like, I, I, I would much rather go with the guy – that gives me that that might be more of a complete bust. Like I don't think Mac Jones is just going to be this awful bust quarterback. It seems like he's a, a much safer prospect. But I'm I'm tired of safe quarterback prospects in Chicago. You know I want the the Patrick Mahomes type swing for the fences where it's like I don't know I don't know if he's going to work out. But if he does, that might work out really well. And if he doesn't work out, it might go up in flames really badly. Yeah, which has also happened all the time with Chicago quarterbacks. Uh, that yeah, no, that's an interesting thought though, and I think that there are uh, Vikings fans who would say the same things. Like, uh, we want to be the team that has fun, even if there's some risk there. And there are other people who say, look, if you if you draft that guy and he goes bust, you ruin your organization for a while. I mean, Christian Ponder really set back the Vikings, and again with the Bears, you've been set back many a time uh, by a quarterback that didn't work out. So what's the what's the throw a parade or raise a banner for the for the offseason then for the Bears? I mean, what would have to happen for people to be celebrating in the streets of Chicago because they won the offseason? Aside from Wilson. Wilson's kinda obvious, like of course yeah. they would throw a parade there. But like aside from you know, things that are more reasonable to actually happen. Yeah, I think the only thing that would really get people fired up is is a trade up for one of those quarterbacks. And even then you'll still get Bears fans that are upset about it. I mean, <laughs> of course, that's part of how this goes. Like, for me, it, it would be trading up for Justin Fields or Trey Lance. I'm assuming kind of Lawrence and Wilson are probably going to be one and two there. And, and, you know, there's a chance that all four of those guys could go in the top ten or somebody could start to slide a little bit. I mean, 
that that is what would get me fired up because I, I think to your point there about you know wanting something a little bit more exciting even if there's some ups and downs with it it's like if I had a general if I had confidence in my general manager and coaching staff to consistently build a strong supporting cast around a quarterback I wouldn't feel that pressure you know I'd be like oh yeah get Mac Jones give me somebody just consistent under center that's not going to turn the ball over and is going to manage the game you know if I could draft a young Alex Smith that would be great if I had a general manager and and head coach that I felt like could consistently build around and support that quarterback. But because I'm assuming flaws in the supporting cast and perhaps play calling or whatever it might be, I need to get a quarterback that can make up for those flaws as opposed to being, you know, brought down by those flaws. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline not be able to overcome them. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about our friends at Scout Logistics, and I really do mean it when I say friends. They are fans of Purple Insider over at Scout Logistics, and since they reached out wanting to support this show, I want to tell you about what they do. Scout Logistics is just-in-time transportation for full tractor-trailer loads, and if you're wondering what that means exactly... Well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they are the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America, and we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? They can ship perishable, non-perishable, FTL or LTL, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So, if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out ScoutLogistics.com or call 855 877-2688 extension 232 to connect with them directly to find out how Scout Logistics can minimize risk and overperform and go the extra mile for your company. Or in another way you'd almost prefer if that is how you you sort of feel there that they just go with somebody who's a bridge quarterback and it blows up in their face and they win four games and then they change everything and draft someone next year. I mean, it's, I, like that's if you're talking about long-term options, that might be a, a better way to go than trading a bunch of your assets to try and move up for if it's Trey Lance, who knows? If that like Trey Lance is just such a small, tiny little sample size of playing like seven-on-seven seven football. You know, I mean, it's, it's, right? I mean, the, the guy was 19 years old and he's playing against competition that is just not even even remotely close to the NFL. Um, so you're going you're to throw him in there and try to save your job? That doesn't really seem like a very good way to do it. So maybe that's the way to go, is that they'll lose their jobs anyway, like John Fox with Mitch Trubisky. Um, but, say, you know Ryan Pace loves quarterbacks with one year of college experience. It's really fun. One of my favorite things about draft season, and maybe number one, is – 
the nonsense that goes on with the quarterbacks. It's just like Lamar Jackson should be a wide receiver, and then other people think he's going to be a Hall of Famer, and then like the wide variety of opinions that come out. And then how the NFL finds a way to draft Daniel Jones, like sixth overall or whatever. Like how, how did this happen? They're supposed to be smarter than us. And then they end up doing that. Maybe he'll become good someday. I don't know. And doesn't that uh, that opens the door of like I put I don't want to, I'm not directly comparing Mac Jones to to Mac Jones to Daniel Jones, but like when you talk about big, tall, white, strong arm quarterback, like yep. you can see the, a team take Mac Jones before Trey Lance, before you know before Justin Field. I mean, for the reason you talk about with Trey Lance, I mean, you could easily see a team say, ah. You know, that Carson Wentz guy didn't wor- end up working out as well as I thought out of North Dakota State either. And, you know, this Lance guy is even more inexperienced, and he's not tall or white either. You know, like, he's not, you know, he doesn't fit what, what NFL GMs view as what my franchise quarterback is supposed to look like. Whereas Mac Jones, you know, I'd let my daughter date that guy. I mean, you know, all, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. all, all that stuff permeates through the NFL. So I could easily see, you know, one of those quarterbacks end up falling and Mac Jones going way earlier than we expect, even though it doesn't feel like that's what any of us see as the best strategy at this point. Think of how differently the draft would have gone if those ridiculous things did not exist. I mean, think about how many teams have gotten their franchise quarterbacks just because they were like, "Mm, I don't know. I don't think Lamar Jackson is a wide receiver or in the I mean, the Ravens case, it's funny too, because they get the credit for having this great franchise quarterback who's super exciting. They drafted a bad tight end first who was like 30. So, I mean, even the team – Right. Like even the teams who make the like, quote, good decisions still botch it entirely and maybe just fall backwards into it. Like Seattle with Russell Wilson. Like If you loved him so much, you would take him the first round, not the third round. But you just kind of got lucky. And uh, it's all it is always funny. It's like the not traditional looking passer who drops like take that guy. Whoever you are, take that guy because there's a good chance it works out and it becomes Dak Prescott. Well, um, there's also the Deshaun Kaiser was you know we talked about him as a potential first round pick and he dropped and and dropped for good reason. But you know Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson are great examples. I, I think the reporting was that Jerry Jones wanted Connor Cook before Dak Prescott. He wanted uh, I can't remember it was one of the first round quarterbacks that was bad. He wanted like three of the other bad quarterbacks and then everyone they all got taken right from there. Like fine, fine, we'll take Dak Prescott. We'll just we'll roll with that. See what happens. Yeah, it's always funny. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater uh, not wearing his gloves at his pro day. Big problem. Oh, Obviously, exactly. red, red flags everywhere. <laughs> now, uh, actually, you know what? We didn't bring up Teddy, but it is kind of funny with Chicago, where if you have Teddy last year, what do you win? Like 10 games? I mean, the, the, the decision to – this would be, like, fireable enough right here. The decision to say to Teddy Bridgewater, no, you actually have to compete – with um, Mitch Trubisky, that's like fireable on its own because you were already done with Mitch Trubisky. And yet you said to another quarterback who would have been an upgrade, and I don't know if it's a Super Bowl upgrade. Of course not. Although Carolina is awful. So I'm not sure you can quite compare those two. But it's just funny the decisions they made. Like Cam Newton is probably better there than he is in New England, a team that was completely torn apart. And they end up going with Nick Foles. It's just like kind of – Mind blowing of you. I think that would could have been a first guess and not just second guessing in hindsight. Yeah, that was 
that was my take last offseason, and it was not it was not super popular at the time among Bears fans because it was like, oh, Nick Foles, you know, the Eagles, you know, they want him back, and he was a, and he was hurt in Jacksonville, so he could still be good and Super Bowl MVP and all that stuff. But it was like the Bears prioritized not getting the best possible quarterback, but getting a quarterback that could compete with Mitch Trubisky. Like they put. Mitch Trubisky's development or whatever respect for Mitch Trubisky they wanted to have, they put that above team building. You know what I mean? To put that above doing what's absolutely best for your franchise. There was some reporting that they had negotiated with Teddy Bridgewater, but I think to some extent they got a little bit priced out that they weren't going to pay Teddy $20 million a year or whatever to compete and maybe be a backup, right? If you're paying him that money, you have to make him your starter, and I don't think the Bears were ready to just give that starting quarterback job to somebody not named Mitch Trubisky very much to their own detriment, and now you're seeing them pay for it. Right. I think of this all the time with sports like a relationship. If you are thinking about breaking up with your girlfriend, you should just break up with your girlfriend. Like, how do you get past that? How do you get to, well, let's see, we're thinking about it, but we had a real nice weekend, so now I'm not going to, like, come on. I mean, it's like, if you're already done with Trubisky or you think you're done, then you're done and you should just move on. Um, But, you know, there's a lot of people that are trying to save face at any given time in the NFL. Here's what I want to end on. What is the most ridiculous Vikings-Bears game in recent history? Most ridiculous. Boy. There's a lot of candidates. That's the thing. It's like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'll nominate one and you can think for a second. Okay. Well, I was going to say, the one that comes to mind for me right away before you, before you take it from me, it was – I'm – I'm filibustering because I have to look back at the year really quickly. I know you're going to get it. I know which one you're going to go. 2016, Chicago Bears at Minnesota Vikings, week eight. I believe, was that the game Jay Cutler came back from injury? or Yeah, I think it was his first game back from injury, and the Vikings were like five and, you know, so they were in the, they were running away with the NFC North and the Bears had won like one game all season and randomly Jay Cutler returns and comes in and, and I don't even think that one was, was that one at Soldier Field? I, I it was at Soldier Field. Go. It was actually the first time I had ever been to Soldier Field because that was my first year covering the Vikings. They were five and one and I think the first play of the game went for a 70-yard Jordan Howard run. And then it was just downhill from there. And and then the the Bears lost, like, every game after that. Like, it was every game before that and every game after that. But that one, they played like hell. It was amazing. And yeah, because they, they kicked the crap out of Sam Bradford all game. I remember that. Like, they just dominated the Vikings offensive line, and Bradford couldn't go anywhere. And that, and that was when he had been playing so well. It was like that one year where it was just – it all kind of clicked for him. Is that the, did they trade a first-round pick for him, or did they get a first-round pick by trading him, I forget. No, they traded a first-round pick for him out of right. insane desperation, though I would defend Sam because he played about as well as he could have played yes. here. And now the postscript on that game was Mike Zimmer harmed his eyeball permanently at some point that day and in that game, and it required multiple surgeries, including him missing a game. So that happened. And also, Norv Turner quit after that game. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because that was the, yeah. Well, that was the game that he. I I remembered it being a firing, but he did. Was he resigned? Like he left the team after that? Yes, he just straight up quit because there was a power struggle, as there so often is in football, uh, between. Uh, from my understanding of just like how Pat Shermer wanted to run the offense with Sam Bradford because they had been together in multiple locations before, and Norv Turner wanted to run his like 
you know, nine step drop thing, which is a great idea. I guess this is one where like Pernell McPhee was injured all the time and came back for one game and got like nine pressures or something. <laughs> I mean, that's the, the Vikings are running out two of the worst tackles in the league and running like nine step drops with Sam Bradford who can't move. So yeah. I'm just looking at the starting lineups in that game. And yeah, it was Bradford and Matt Asiata in the backfield. Yes. Charles Johnson, wide receiver two. Oh God. Jake Long, Alex Boone, Joe Berger, Brandon Fusco, TJ Clemens. Good luck. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, so th- I'll nominate another one, which sure. was Gus Farratt and Kyle Orton in 2008. Oh, uh, wow. Are you, I don't know if you're familiar with this game, but if you're not, you need to go look at it because the Bears beat the Vikings 48-41 to with Kyle Orton and Gus Farratt in one of the all-time great journeyman quarterback shootouts. Gus Farratt threw four interceptions in that game and still only lost by seven points. So you need, you need to go back and find that one from 2008. And those were my early days. I, I remember the 2008 Bears. I don't remember that game specifically. I remember Gus Farratt matchups, but, man, <laughs> what, a, yeah. what a wild west of a game. That's great. I did a full deep dive on whether the Vikings are cursed at Soldier Field, and the answer is yes. Like, there there have been so many times where just even compared to the Vegas line, where they were unable to even cover when, when they were much better than the Bears, and Chad Hutchinson beats them or something. So it's uh, – I don't think that's going to stop anytime soon. Well, um, people need to go follow you, Cox, C-O-X Sports 1. Uh, and you do great work. Locked on Bears if you want to check out what's going on in Bears land. And uh, always fun to get together, man. I'm glad we could do this. Hey, absolutely. I appreciate it. And I will certainly return the favor and call upon you for some Vikings analysis, especially as things start to move forward here a little bit. I'm kind of curious to see when and where the Vikings are going to be able to find some moves to make because they're, they're in a pretty precarious spot here. So appreciate you having me on, sir. And I, I love the work you guys are doing, especially adding Sam into the mix here, too, is, is a great one. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Thanks again, man.